0: living Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Streams of water wash way You know, the book of Philippians, you, you can find probably 25 life verses in there. You know, uh, verses that will encourage you in your walk, you know, and just help you, help you keep going. Well, verse 21 is one of those verses. For, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. W- would you say it with me? For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If you get that today, if you take that one home today, you got what you came for. That is it. Paul has made his life about Jesus. And because of what Jesus has done for him, and because of that, because he's made his life about that, when he dies, he's going to be with Jesus. And so that's gain. The more we focus our lives on that, the more joy we will find no matter what kind of day we're having. So in verses 12 to 14, Paul finds that joy in the progression of the gospel. So his life here has given him some lemons. He is in prison because of Jesus. It's very likely that his imprisonment is the one that is mentioned at the end of the book of Acts in Acts 28. So when you think of Paul in prison, you don't want to think of him there in a dungeon, you know, in a cell with a candle, you know, all dirty. That's not the dungeon prison that he's in. He's on house arrest. Um, he's, he's in a place where he's waiting to see Caesar and he's able to communicate with the outside. He's able to write letters like the one we're reading here into Philippians. Um, he's getting visitors to come to him, and they're bringing in information from the outside, looking in. So, so he's not in like this, you know, really bad place. But nonetheless, being in chains is a humiliating experience. He does say, "I have been imprisoned," and and so in that society, it would be, it would be looked down on. And so his followers, the ones that are keeping up with Paul and his ministry, it would be very easy for them to see that what is happening to Paul is bad, and they'd be discouraged, and then even cower that it would happen to them. It would be very easy for Paul to be upset about his circumstances. He's waiting to see Caesar, the ruler of the world, and Caesar's going to either condemn him to prison or execute him for his faith. And Paul wants to go before him to plead his case. So, as you read these words and and hear about Paul's lemons, it's like, why is he sounding the way he's sounding? He doesn't sound discouraged. He doesn't sound like he's down. And he, he surely could sound that way. But he sounds the opposite. He sounds joyful. He says there is purpose in the prison the propagation, the progress of the gospel. Now, every four hours, every four hours of a 20, 24 hours a day, a Roman soldier is brought to Paul and he's chained to him. So that's happening all the time he is in prison. Every four hours, a new guy shows up who knows nothing about Jesus and he gets chained together with Paul. Paul is explaining here that every soldier in the entire imperial guard now understands why he's in prison. Because of his faith in Jesus. So every soldier would have heard Paul's testimony, his, his Jesus story. You can read about that in, in the book of Acts as well. Uh, you know, he would have been telling these soldiers how, you know, he was uh, the, at the top of his class as a Jew, there was nobody. Who was better than him. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was he was keeping the law like you know no one ever could. He he would be telling them how he was running after this small religious sect that was threatening the faith of his fathers. And he was killing Christians. He he would have been telling them how on the road to Damascus, on that killing mission where Jesus put himself, interjected himself into his life, the the crucified, resurrected, glorified Jesus, showed up on the Damascus road and spoke to Paul and said, why are you persecuting me? And struck him blind. He would have been saying to them, hey, you know what? I was struck blind and I was told to go see this man on Straight Street named Ananias. I don't know who that guy is, but I went. He laid his hands on me. Scales fell from my eyes and I could see again, but something happened. The Holy Spirit came into my heart and I was transformed. My life completely changed. And I was baptized and they gave me some food. And then I started going and telling people about Jesus right to the Jewish synagogue, and that's when the trouble gets started. Paul had a lot of difficult days filled with lemons. And he wrote this in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8-13. to 13. We are oppressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach. Because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. You know, there, there's a lot of lemons in that passage. Um, serious, sour Lemons. I mean, How is it he can sound so encouraged and so joyful when he's in chains? Gospel progression. Uh, If more people come to know Jesus due to the lemons, that turns those lemons into lemonade. It gives them purpose. Paul was taking advantage of this situation that he was in and he was spreading the gospel to all these soldiers who came, who were chained to him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they all knew why he was there. But not only was it going on inside the prison, gospel pro- progression, it was going on outside the prison. Paul's finding out that, hey, some of the brothers out there, they're seeing me in prison and, and they're getting fired up. They're not cowering in fear. They're, they're becoming more bold. And so the gospel is spreading outside the prison too. Another reason to rejoice because of Paul's suffering. Let me show you a picture you know this guy, I think many of you do. This is Pastor Makwan, Manubai Makwan. He's a he's a good friend of mine and a missionary from India to the Hindus in Indiana and lots of other states. And then he's been going back to India several times over the years. And uh, I took this picture when we were in India in 2013. And he's in the process here of experiencing the lemons. Uh, he had typhoid fever. Um, and so um, when I took that picture... Uh, I was getting ready to go on an outreach into uh, the country in India. Um, and I left Pastor Maquan there in the hospital uh, t- to get better. And when, when we were reunited, um, he was so happy that he had got typhoid fever. He, he, was, he was tasting the lemonade. Because every single doctor and nurse that came in that room heard about Jesus even the head of the hospital, he told about Christ. And then the head of the hospital said, Hey, my staff needs to hear this. And he got all the staff together and let Matt preach to them. I do not know how many people came to Christ through that, but I know there's joy to be found in the progression of the gospel. He was tasting the lemonade, and all that it is there for us to taste when we see the faith in Jesus grow. In the world. And so, so we have to think about our lives and we have to think, how am I living my life? Is for me to live as Christ. Is that true of me? And if it isn't, how can I adjust? How can I order my life to be more about gospel progression? How do I change? What do I need to do? Where do I need to adjust? I mean, that is the key to finding joy when lemons come along. I mean, listen, if gospel progression is on your prayer list and on your priority list, it will probably make it to your to-do list every single day. And if it does, that changes the way you live and, and how you see places that you go. So you start asking yourself, well, where do I go that I run into people that don't know anything about Jesus? That's my mission field. I'm a missionary to them. So where does your work take you? Where uh, where do you go to school? Where do you go to the doctor? Where do your hobbies take you? Where do you shop? All of those places you can find people who don't know anything about the gospel. And now you can also order your life so that you're spending time doing things where actually people who don't know the gospel come to you. You know, just come to church every week. There's people who are here who know about Jesus, who know everything He's done, who agree with the cross, but they have not trusted Christ. They have not had a transformation. And they are not born again. They're here every week among us. Just come here. Uh, VBS, you know. Our first VBS. We've got seven kids signed up so far. That's exciting. Um, but you know, there's going to be lots of people that come here uh, who don't know anything about Jesus, don't know anything about the gospel. It's an opportunity for us to share Christ with people. The Jubilee sale, when we get the tent out there and we put all the clothes out there and we advertise, hey, deep, deeply discounted clothes. You know, and there's going to be uh, hundreds of people come. I think we've had two, over 200 people come when we, when we do this. And they come, and they come to the tent, and they are getting ready to buy deeply discounted clothes. And the first thing we say to them, everything under the tent is free. Because Jesus gave to us freely. And we can have, we'll have a chance to tell them about that. And then load their car up with tons of clothes. Show them the love of Christ. Have you ever thought about doing a garage sale? I've, I've thought about it. I usually talk myself out of it because of all the work that it entails, and, and, and I don't have a garage, so. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I was thinking, what if we made our garage sales about gospel progression? I mean, just an idea. I mean, how many people come to your home? I mean, they come up, they park in the driveway and, you know, they'll linger and they'll want to talk to you about what you got there. What an opportunity. I might, like, right, seriously think about having a garage sale. There's joy there. Joy to be found there. So the places you go, that's your mission field. When you go there, love the people you meet. When you get wherever it is you are going, pray and say, for to me to live Is Christ. And you begin to look for opportunities to share Him with other people. If we will make our lives about gospel progression. When difficult days come. It will turn lemons into lemonade. And we will rejoice because the gospel is advancing. You can also find some of that joy in gospel proclamation. So not only is there joy when people come to believe in the gospel, there's also joy in just getting the word out about Jesus. I mean, it's a good day when you get to speak his name the way it deserves to be spoken. So Paul, he continues his thoughts here about his friends preaching more boldly and without fear. But he he begins to admit there's some who are doing that that have a poor motive. Now Paul... I would say is probably looked at as the Billy Graham of his day, you know, and, you know, you think about Billy Graham there, arguably there's nobody better at gospel progression and proclamation in our day. So Paul is, is that in his day. And when anytime you're out on the front and you know God is blessing you and He is causing um, the kingdom of God to grow you, go through you, and you have success at doing that, anytime that happens, there will be people who are envious of that success. Just comes with it. And Paul says, Some are preaching out of love. Some people are out there, they know I'm in prison, they know I can't go out publicly anymore, and they're filling the gap. They see that he can't do it, so they're trying to do what he can't do. And they're emboldened to do that. But other people, other people are saying, now is my chance. I mean, Paul's in prison. There, people aren't going to be flocking to Paul's meetings. Let's see how he likes it when hundreds of people come to my street ministry. And that's what they're saying. Trouble is, Paul is not in prison feeling sorry for himself. Due to the the success of others. He instead is celebrating that success. He's rejoicing. Because why? Because there is no competition in the kingdom of God with people who are preaching Jesus. None. His attitude, Paul's attitude is this. I don't care if Greg has a pulpit and he gets to share about Jesus. Great! I rejoice that people are hearing about Jesus. There's joy when Jesus is proclaimed. There's joy. There's joy when the true gospel is heard. Now, the true gospel does have competition. There are true gospels and there are false gospels. The true gospel is Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. That's the true gospel. That the Son of God, He came and He lived our life. Except He did it without sin. He never offended His heavenly Father. Then He gave Himself over to sinful man. And He was convicted of crimes He did not commit. He was crucified on a cross. And when He was on the cross, He took on all of mankind's sin. So that mankind could have His righteousness. And so, when he died that death on the cross, he was taking on our sin. Is the shedding of the blood on the cross that is the price that needed to be paid for the forgiveness of our sins. So that we could be forgiven. When he rose from the grave, he was the first of all who would believe in him. The first fruits of a harvest uh, that will conquer the grave. So, believing that Jesus is the Son of God and that His death, paid for your sins, makes you right with God, gives you a relationship with God and gives you hope that you have a future with God that's beautiful forever. That's the true gospel. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. A false gospel is not Hinduism. It's not Islam. Those things are so blatant you don't call them gospel. They are not good news. That is working your way to heaven. Whatever flavor of religion out there Um, that's out there outside of Christianity is telling you, here's your steps to get to heaven, to get to paradise, to get to wherever. And they offer no assurance that you're going to get there. So a false gospel is a little different. It is Jesus plus anything equals salvation. Okay, so a false gospel would be Jesus plus baptism equals salvation. Or Jesus plus good works equals salvation. Or Jesus plus a denomination equals salvation. Jesus plus anything equals a false gospel. And they're out there. The true gospel is by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus alone. Ephesians two eight and nine says, "For for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast." Do you believe that? You know, false gospels are attractive because it gives us something to do. And we like to have something to do to contribute to our salvation. But Jesus has done it all. And all we have to do is trust in Him, in who He is, and what He's done. He was on the cross and He said, It is finished. It's finished. That's the good news. That's the good news. So if there's a church out there proclaiming the true gospel, I want you to know they are not our competitors. They're not our competitors. We need to be praying for them. Even if we don't agree with how they worship or the clothes that they wear or why they're proclaiming Jesus, if it's the true gospel, we can rejoice it's being proclaimed. If those things matter to you, if like how they worship and what they, you know, if that stuff matters to you, I promise you there is no joy in that. No joy. And you have, let me give you the freedom to, to just rejoice that Jesus is being proclaimed. There's joy to find right there. How do you know if a church is preaching A true gospel or a false gospel. Admittedly, that's pretty hard. You might even, to find out, you may have to go to the church. Um, So that could be kind of tough. But here, I will just give you this advice today. If there's a cross lifted up on the outside of the building somewhere, there's church in the name, pray that they are proclaiming the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray that. And then let the Lord handle the rest. There's a lot more joy for you if you live life like that. A couple of weeks ago, we watched a message from Pastor Mark Job. He is the uh, new president of Moody Bible Institute. And I never heard him, uh, you know, hear him preach a message. And I've only heard him on the radio. So I thought, well, let's let's watch this message. So we were watching. And I, I have to confess that as he began and started to preach, I wasn't really connecting with him. I, I didn't like the way he dressed I, did, I didn't like the way he was, you know, presenting himself on, this, on the stage. I didn't like the sound of his voice. Um, you know, I liked what he was saying. I just didn't like how he was saying it. And then he, he mentions how he has been a pastor a really long time in Chicago. And at his church, they baptized over 400 people in the last year. And I could feel that little twinge of envy, you know. And I could hear that little voice... Say to Pastor Mark, now don't teach your own horn there, Pastor Mark. And then he brings out some of these 400 to stand in front of this uh, conference that he was at. And he went down the line, and as he did that, my heart changed. I wanted you to see that. So here's Pastor Mark from Moody's Founders Week back in February. It's joy. I, I just want you to know, I would be a member of Pastor Mark's church, <laughs> no matter how he dresses. I'll be, I'll be, I'll follow him. I'll follow him. There's joy in the proclamation of the gospel. You know, last week we sent out three missionaries. We brought them up here, Gavin, Kendra, and, and Megan, and we sent them off to Twin Lakes Camp to to serve there all summer, um, you know, ministering to uh, to kids and sharing the gospel. And and we prayed over them. And you know, the thing is, we missed one. We missed one, and we we didn't know about it, but Zach Hindman also went to camp this week, but he went to Spring Hill camp. And he's going to be spending all summer with high schoolers sharing his faith. Pastor Shane was able to have lunch with him before he left last week. And uh, uh, Zach had been on a, a mission trip um, in this spring, just, just recently, and shared with uh, Pastor Shane about how he was able to share his testimony. So his his mission team was at this couple's home, and they were doing some work around the house. They were just loving them and serving them. And, and Zach got wind of their story, how they'd gone through some difficult days, and that got them sideways with God and they were not going to church. They didn't really want anything to do with God. And, and so Zach, he, he heard that and he, he felt a connection to them because Zach has also had some difficult days in his life except instead of getting sideways with God, he ran to God and God healed him and God saved him and now he's following God. And so he goes into this couple's home and he shares his story with them and I, I heard that and I just rejoiced. I mean, one, our very own Zach got to preach Christ in Spain. And two, our very own Christ got preached. That is reason to rejoice. Thank you, Shane, for sharing that with me. It turned my frown upside down. So, gospel proclamation. What does it do in your heart? When you hear about it. When you hear about um, Pastor Mark and the fruit there of his ministry. When you hear about Zach uh, and what happened to him. Does the fame of Jesus' name growing in this world do something deep down inside of you? Because it should. If it isn't, there's some adjustments you need to make in your life to find that kind of joy. For for to me, for me to live is Christ. You can find it in the proclamation no matter what they're doing or why they're doing it. Now you you've probably heard of a no-win situation. Right? Where where um, you know, you got a choice to make and no matter what choice is in front of you, it doesn't is not going to be good. It's not going to be good for you. You know, so like when you hear, um, hey, for for dinner, what do you want to have with your dinner? Do you want to have Brussels sprouts or cauliflower? I mean, for me, that's a no-win, (laughs) no-win situation. You know, just bring french fries and and we're good. Well, in verses 19 to 26, Paul brings up a hard situation that he is in, but it's a no-lose kind of situation. A no-lose kind of deal. Either way he goes, the gospel is going to continue. He's going to find joy in the perpetuation of the gospel. So he repeats his commitment to rejoicing at the end of verse 18. And then he goes on to describe this no-lose situation. He's saying, I am confident here. I am confident that because of the church's prayers, your prayers, and the Holy Spirit within me, I'm going to be delivered from this prison. He says, it's my eager expectation, my hope, that through the suffering that I'm experiencing, I will remain faithful to Jesus, whether I live or whether I die. You know, most people who are in prison are hoping to get out alive. That's success for them. But Paul's saying, whether I'm delivered to freedom alive, or whether I'm delivered to freedom because of death, I'm going to win. Because of his life, because his life's about Jesus and what Jesus has done for him, his death means that he's going to be with Jesus. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then he goes on to explain that a little bit. He says, if I keep on living here, it means the gospel continues. It's perpetuated in people. Uh, It's going to grow. Fruitful labor means fruitful labor for me. But I don't know which way to choose. I'm hard-pressed on every side. He's got this competition going on in his heart. What should I want here? Like he's got a choice. He says, I long to leave this earth. I long to be in the presence of my Savior. That's far better than anything here. That's the gain. But staying here is more necessary because of people like you who are growing and believing the gospel. The gospel needs to continue. And then he finishes his no lose scenario by revealing his choice. He says, I know I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. And when I come back to you, we're going to have a big party, a big Jesus party, and there's going to be lots of joy. Now, listen, when you read that, you should hear gospel love right there. I mean, what's better for Paul is given second place to what's better for the people, what's better for the disciples. See, it's better for me to go and be with Jesus, but it's better for you that I stay with you. And so I choose being with you. Gospel love. 2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a pretty good definition of gospel perpetuation. That we would keep growing Keep growing in Jesus. Keep growing in grace and in receiving it and giving it. Keep growing in our personal knowledge of Jesus, of his love for us. You will never get to the bottom of the Jesus well. You will, you never will. You can grow your whole life. And that's what we, what we desire. And there's joy to be found in the gospel being perpetuated. In our own lives and in the lives of others. Now spiritual growth isn't, it isn't easy. Um... And it isn't easy to see. You know, I mean, we we give ourselves to the spiritual workout, you know, the spiritual exercises. We go to church, we get in our Bible, we're praying, we're serving, we're giving, we're celebrating and connecting. We're doing all these things, you know, because we want to to grow in Christ. We want to learn about our faith. We want to walk and live by faith. We want all these things to happen, but sometimes you kind of go, Am I am I growing? It doesn't seem like I'm getting any better here. Actually, it seems like I'm getting worse. It doesn't seem like life is getting any easier. It seems like life is getting harder. Am I growing? Am I becoming more like Jesus? Well, Paul's decision here that he makes is is one way to know for you to see gospel perpetuation, that, that, that you're continuing in the gospel. When it comes to the choices in your make, whether you comes to the choices that you have to make to put the welfare of others ahead of your own welfare, what's the choice that you make? And how 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 often does the me inside of me come first? It means out of you, how often does he come first? See, the longer that you follow Jesus, the deeper you go in the gospel, the more often you will see the me. Inside of you, take second place to other people. Now, I guess, you know, for a really long time, they've been having this big race on the west side of town. You know about this? I don't know, it's actually like today. Um, last weekend, they had this contest out there at the race. And, and it, was a, it was a contest to see who would be able to uh, get their race car in what, they're call, in what they call the pole position. And so, you know, they, they have this qualification day, they call it. And, and so, you know, you get your car out there and you got to run around the track four times and you got to have the fastest average speed of anybody in the race to get the pole position, which is the front row inside. So a guy named Simon Pagino won that pole last weekend. So high five, Simon. Well, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will stop seeing the pole position as a win in our lives. See, we'll stop seeing that. We would rather see somebody else get the pole position because it would be better for them than if we got it. So imagine Simon. You know, he wins that, he's celebrating, he's on the news, and then he says, I'm going to give it to the Andretti's. They have bad luck around here all the time. The gospel turns life upside down. Everything changes the way you look at it. And when you see yourself wanting the best for others around you at the expense of yourself, I'm telling you, that's a reason to rejoice. Now, it's not a reason to shout, All right, Don't go shouting about your success in the gospel. That'll that'll, that'll take you backwards. But it's a reason to rejoice. And if you don't see that in your life... If you don't see yourself putting others first then I suggest today find ways to start doing that because once you do once that becomes a habit in your life you will know Jesus better and you'll be growing in the gospel there's also joy to be found in the perpetuation of the gospel in others when you're discipling people when you're saying follow me as I follow Christ and if you're not doing that I don't know why you're not because that's what this is all about we give away what we've been given We show people how to follow Him. So there may be some adjustments to be made. But when we are doing that, when we see people um, who are following us as we follow Christ, we're discipling them, we're teaching them. We see them growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. When you see that, I'm telling you, joy. Right from the inside, no matter what's going on in your life. You know, when we brought those three missionaries up here and prayed for them last week, I was just like, woo! This is joy. When I see you guys out there shining your light in the dark and telling people about Jesus, spreading the word about VBS, I mean, it's just joy. Even if I got Brussels sprouts for dinner. Seeing you kneel at the altar for the Lord's Supper together, hearing that your small groups are still meeting, and I'm not calling saying, hey, is your small group meeting? Hearing that, supporting our missionaries, joy. Joy. That's the gospel continuing in you. There's lots of joy there. Do you know that kind of joy? Because you'll find it. I promise you difficult days are, are coming. You might be in the middle of a difficult day. But if you give your life to seeing the gospel progress and proclaimed and continue. There's joy. You'll find joy. Let's have our worship team back. come back up. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You say it? For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How do you need to adjust life to make that about you? Or to make it more about you. I'm, I'm telling you. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. About adjustments. About ways you can change. About how you can order your life differently. Listen to what he's saying. And then give yourself to the next step you know he's leading you to do. And there'll be joy in the process. Let's stand together. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we come to you today and we see this joy in Paul's life and knowing what he's going through and, and, and what he's experiencing, and, and we, we think, you know, I want some of that. And so, Lord, we, we pray today that as we see where there's guaranteed joy that bubbles up from the inside of us, that we might adjust That we would change how we're living life. That our life could be more that verse. For to me to live is Christ. Now for some Lord here that is a new thought. The first time they've ever heard that. But that's, that's salvation. That's trusting Jesus Christ with our lives. And I pray for those here today who realize that they haven't done that. They haven't put their trust in Jesus and what He's done and then to go and follow Him in their life. I pray that they would do that today. They take that step of faith, believing that He's done it all, that there's no other way to God but through Him. And they just say, Jesus, take my life. I want that to be about me. Lord, give them the strength, the faith to do that today. I pray for those who know this verse For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I pray you would strengthen them, Lord, to continue to live it out. That you'd continue to lead them to people that need to know you. That you'd continue to grow them in the gospel. That you'd strengthen them, give them the courage like we read about here in this passage that Paul's friends had. Bear much fruit through their lives today. Through the power and working of the Holy Spirit in them. Because this is not on us to do. It's through Him. That we're able to go and live it out. So Lord, we're trusting you for that today. Fill us with your spirit. Bear fruit through us. Bear fruitful labor through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.